Vertonghen is in there! It looks like that might be a Spurs winner. Bale, oh lovely range on the ball. It's a fine pass into Harry Kane, who shoots! With devastating effect, it is Harry Kane who scores! Son has a shot! The wait is over for Tottenham fans. They now have a new head coach, and that man is Nuno Espirito Santo. Welcome to the State Side Spurs podcast. We are here, all three of us, to discuss uh, the North London Derby. We do have a very uh, pivotal um, review session uh, that must be done before we do that because uh we by the way we did play at anfield and played pretty well uh but we'll get into all of those things um over the next course uh, probably an hour we'll sh- let's try to keep this under an hour um chris you're frozen so it looks like you may already be gone uh austin how are you feeling man a point at anfield always always a positive thing anytime you get anything at anfield right yeah, I mean they don't they don't drop many points there. They really don't. So you, I mean you got to take what you're given. If you would have, oh, I like most times, if you would if you would hand me a point, if you would say, hey, I'll give you a point right now before the game, most teams would take it. Oh, I listened to your I listened to y'all's podcast last week. Y'all, y'all are Debbie Downer. Debbie Lascala, or maybe yeah. I. Hey, hey, you will know, we'll get into the specifics, but there were some pretty big surprises that happened during that game that that we did not. I, I'll, not give you, I will give you guys, I'll give you guys credit. You did say Sessignon would have to be the, the player that stands out, and, and he didn't stand out, but uh, still both very negative. Uh, anyways, uh, Chris, I see you smirking over there. How, how are you feeling uh, tonight, especially after that draw at Anfield on the weekend? I don't know if this happened for you guys, but for a full like five seconds there, you guys completely froze and blinked on me. So I popped in about halfway through your question. Like you guys were talking about Cessna Yon. Um, how do I feel about Anfield? Is that what we're talking about? Yeah, how well, I feel how you, about our, our. How you how you feel about you know life, and then how you feel about the point at Anfield? Life. <laughs> uh, life's pretty good. Life's okay. It's it's treating me well. Doing good there. Um, a point at Enfield. I'm not gonna down. I'm not gonna turn it down. Um, it, it, it's awesome to have gone to Enfield and played that well against a really, really good Liverpool team. It's awesome to have seen some of our players. Um, I think you were saying we we had called on the last pod for Sessegnon to be the player to step up, and he really did. He this was uh, that was one of those matches where he he had the game we needed him to have. He and, and Emerson both had the games that we needed them to have in order to get a result, to get anything out of that. And they both showed up. Credit to them both for for their effort. Credit to everybody because we looked – I think if we play like that on Thursday, um, we win. If we do that, see, same effort shows up. Did you guys yeah. see the um, – the did you see the meme that was like Salah's heat map and it was just like a small heat map drawn on Ryan Sessegnon's pocket? pocket? Yes. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I, I mean, obviously that this uh, this fixture on Thursday is going to be approached differently by Arsenal. I mean, Liverpool, you know, they just dominate teams, and so it's pretty easy to set up. We really never really know how it's a North London derby, right? So we're gonna get into that first. Let's talk about this performance at Anfield. Uh, I think from here on out, barring injury, um, there's gonna be no surprises to the starting eleven. Can we all three agree on that? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely, yeah. So yeah. not really right. much need to discuss starting lineups. Uh, you know, any surprises in the starting lineups? It, it is what it is. It's like it's like chalk. It's never been like this. I guess maybe because it's the Pochettino days, like early Pochettino days. Um, but even it feels kind of like when like those those commercials or like jokes that you see where like a coach is drawing on a whiteboard, but he's not using a dry erase marker. He's using a permanent marker. Yeah. It's basically. Basically, where we're at right now. Yeah, and so I, I did listen to your guys' podcast, uh, and I also kind of had my own predictions for how Liverpool would line up. I basically thought they would rotate a little bit more than they did rotate. They started a very strong lineup here um, on Saturday. They started, um, you know, the front three of Mane, Salah, and Diaz. They started uh, Henderson and Thiago and 
Fabinho. Fabinho. Oh, Fabinho. We're going to get into that. And then they started uh, Kanate, Van Dyke, and then their, um, their star fullbacks in Trinidad. Kanate was the only one for me that was a surprise because he had kind of been the Champions League center back, and Matip had gotten a lot of the the league minutes of it. Matip started today and uh, scored. So Yeah, I thought that maybe uh, Thiago wouldn't start because he started midweek and that right. would maybe bring in like an, an uh, Keita. Keita, Keita, yeah. But anyways, uh, and then maybe Diego Jota instead of uh, Luis Diaz, but, you know, he played so well in their performance against uh, Villarreal and he was kind of the, the, the person that sparked the comeback um, in Spain. So, Anyways, a very strong lineup by Klopp. Uh, clearly, they know they they knew heading into this, and they 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 knew that they needed to win all three points to even to contend in this race. Because as we've seen, both these teams don't really drop points. Uh, and before we dig into this, this interesting fact here: thirty percent of the points that City and Liverpool have dropped are from Tottenham. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and 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 arguably, if you look at if you look at the two Liverpool matches. We they they smashed and grabbed a point from us at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium from Salah's handball that wasn't called, and then you know one deflected effort that went in for him in this match and and a Hoybear screw we'll get into it but Hoybear screwing up the uh, the end of the match you know they really probably we probably could have pulled the double over both teams somehow this year yeah. Uh, very, very impressive when you look at their records. I mean, both of those teams have been pretty much unstoppable in this Premier League uh, season outside of playing against Tottenham, um, which is just pretty impressive. Kind of the way that Conte lines up and even the way that Nuno and Mourinho have played best when we don't have possession. But uh, that's kind of how this game played out from the beginning. I mean, uh, they came out fast, right, Austin? First 20 minutes, they were um, they were pressing hard. Uh, we were kind of loose. It seemed like, uh, Austin, that Conte really emphasized playing the ball out of the back. Did, did you catch on to that? Did you see that like he was trying to play, even through Hugo and the center backs, and risking turning the ball over if it meant that you were going to play out of the back to kind of create those spaces uh, if you could break that press? I, I think what he wanted us to do was to be patient and try to beat the initial press because – what it look, you know, when when you do see Liverpool struggle in matches, it's when teams are able to beat that first pressing man or that second guy coming in, right? They don't try to they don't, they they try to press you immediately um, after losing the ball, and so if you can get past that initial guy, you'll you'll see some some space. Um, but they were doing a good job of isolating Kulisevsky and not and not allowing players to get close enough to him for support. And so yeah, we struggled. We struggled early on um, with some with some rocky moments, um, and that's where we struggle. You know, not having a center mid that can drop into areas and and carry the ball, right? I mean, Kulusevski basically is our press breaker at the moment, um, as far as carrying the ball, um, and he hugs the sideline, which makes it easier to press him because you have the sideline as a defender too. So Liverpool did that well in the first, you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes. Yeah, uh, Chris, any shocks the way Liverpool came out the gates uh, at Anfield? No, that was what I expected. A high press yeah. and a lot of possession. Yeah, they they came out just like we thought we would. I, I'm just impressed with the way that we held up against. Yeah, the, I mean, uh, yeah, their pressure. I, I, I think the biggest challenge that Hugo had in the first half was Sessegnon's uh, header that was uh, had him scrambling to get across. Life flashed before his eyes right there. Well, the, Sessegnon looks like a deer in headlights. The second yeah. thing for Sessegnon was he had great positioning, right? Yeah, yeah. He just didn't execute the header. He he meant to put more on the header than he – I think he was trying to get that over the crossbar, right? Probably. And yeah. I don't think he got enough on it, but his positioning was phenomenal. I mean, he defended better than I've ever seen him defend in this game, and that was just an unfortunate moment that I'm glad Hugo uh, kept from turning into a tragedy. Yeah, no, I I agree. I thought that the first half, the defensive performance is great, um, really lacking kind of uh, any real offensive threats outside of the Hoiberg uh, um, uh, shot from about 20, I think about 25 yards out. Well, Benjincourt also had a uh, had an effort. Yeah. I think Sun was offside right before it. I think yeah, they, called up, they, they call offside, but Benjincourt did have kind of an open, open net, yeah. and I think he skied it there. Um, but Hoiberg's shot, literally, I was in the bar watching it in Denver with uh, with my fiance, and he's like winding up to shoot it, and I'm like, no, don't shoot that. And then it goes off the post, and I'm like, oh, okay. It reminded me of those moments, you know, in, in junior high, I played C team basketball, and the coach is like, 
uh, you know, you're, you're like Steph Curry land and uh, chunk up a three, and the coach is like, no, 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 and the goes, he's like, all right, yeah, good job, good job, defense. Um, there, there's the, actually a, a subreddit I think called no, 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 yes, 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 or something like that. What? what? <laughs> DJ Chrissy Kiss over here with uh, a yeah. yeah. Chris, Chris you were... no, yes, no, no, yes, that's a subreddit. Okay. Yes, no, 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 yes, okay. Uh, okay, Chris, your your audio there was absolute doo doo, uh, but we get it, we get it. You like you you uh, froze up a little bit. Anyways, that was my thought when Hoiberg took that shot. But when the when the first half whistle was blown, I mean, Chris, what were your thoughts? Uh, great defensive effort for me. It's my first thought. Now with the stats, and I was like, yeah, that kind of feels like what it was. I think that we had three shots total, one on goal, and they had eleven, I believe, in the first half. I I, I felt like this is that was exactly what I expected. Um, I expected them to hold the possession. I expected us to be under pressure for most, if not all of the game. And then for us to get, you know, one big break or one big opportunity, one big chance. And if we were clinical and could take it, we would get something. If we couldn't, then it was just right back to absorbing the pressure. So we walked out of that first half and I felt, okay, we're, this is what I expected. I'm still on the edge of my seat. There's still an opportunity to get something out of this match, but I, I hate to say that I wasn't more hopeful than I had been before. We just lasted 45 minutes. So, yeah, uh, it's the best I can put it. I still was like, it was not super happy with the way things were going, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Austin, holding on, you know, just holding on and waiting for your opportunity. That's kind of the way you have to play these games, right? Well, yeah. I mean, we, we de- coming in about the 35th, 39th minute, we desperately needed that halftime whistle. Um, we were we were holding on for dear life towards the end of that half, um, but that's what you have to do in these type. Yeah, it's exactly what you have to do in these types of games. You have to to get to the next section of the game, and when the time when the when the chance comes along, you have to finish it. And you know, I kind of had the feeling that when we got to the halftime nil nil, whoever buried the first chance in the second half was going to be in control of the half, right? If we scored first, then Liverpool are going to have to take more chances and commit more bodies and leave more space for us to counter. Because in that first half, they did a good job of pressing, but leaving like Fabinho and their center backs back to to snuff out our our ability to pass over the press, right? But as Liverpool commit bodies forward, and Colin, was it you that was saying, you know, or, or maybe it was Chris, that, you know, as Van Dyke gets more forward or as, as Kanate gets more forward, they, they start moving their center backs into the attacking phase. Well, they have fewer it, bodies to, to snuff out the counterattack, and the only way we were going to get them to do that was by scoring first. So I, I just I was so happy to get the halftime scoreless, and I just kind of had this feeling of we have to score first, otherwise um, it's going to be too easy to kind of keep us from from hitting on the break. Yeah, um, I, yeah, I. I was just waiting. I thought the chance would come. Didn't think it came. It would come the way it did come uh, from Emerson on the left hand side hitting up a, a skyscraper of a. Still clearance. confused how he got there. I think Still it was. Con- I, I think well, it was from it was, the corner it, kick, I believe. Right. It was after the corner. It was after the corner. I think. I think Hugo caught the corner, and then or or it was headed over, and he quickly he quickly took a goal kick. But yeah, Emerson was. <laughs> About as he was like left side of the field, but also in midfield, like pulling up Serge Aurier right there. I think he kicked it high up in the air just to give himself time to get back in position. Probably, I think he was clear. He was that was a clearance. That, that was, was that was the best miss kick he's had uh, of the year for sure. It was well, a karate kick. He was a karate kick too. He did, have a, he did have a goal earlier that was a cross that turned into a deflection that went into the goal. Uh, I forgot who that was against. I think it was Brighton, maybe. Anyways, uh, and then Kane does what Kane does. He hold, holds the ball up well. Uh, oh, oh, hold on. You're skipping the first touch. That first touch yeah. as the ball's coming from yeah. like 80 feet down from like like it looks like a, like a Tiger Woods like pitching wedge up in the air and Kane just like Oop, I'll catch that an inch off the ground thank you yeah Dink. yeah his ball control is immense and if you allow him to turn uh, and allow runners to run on uh, and make those runs and then the, the, that's where the Liverpool defense is at their weakest right it's it's now it's like who's picking yeah. up these runners you have Kulusevski <laughs> on the right uh, you have Sun breaking through the middle and then you have Sessegnon. On the left. Uh, so Paul, the left. I, I want to ask you this question. I'm going to take over and ask you this question as that play is developing. He receives the ball. He's able to turn. We have runners coming in. He's getting a free run at the top of the box. 
You see Sessignon making that lung-busting run to get into the box. Are you thinking he's going to feed Sessignon in, or are you thinking, or, or are you thinking take a rip? Oh, uh, I, I, I know he's feeding Sessignon in. Yeah, but then when he feeds Sessignon in, I'm thinking you should have taken a rip. Well, <laughs> I, I first thought Sessignon's going to take it first time, right? He has to take it first time, and if he doesn't, he's going to screw up the chance. And somehow Sessignon takes a perfect touch and perfectly clicks it over to the far post to Sun. I was shocked. I thought as soon as he took that first touch and didn't shoot, the chance was gone. But what were, did you think the same? Or uh, I did see Sun because the Sun made the run in. I just didn't think that Sessignon would have the composure and the patience right. to, to take the touch and to cross the ball. Uh, and then when I saw that him t- I saw that he took the touch, right? And then at that point, when you take a touch, you lose the angle for the shot. Um, yeah. So then I hoped that he was smart enough not to shoot it at that point and to lay the ball off. And sure enough, man, uh, Sun gets his 20th goal of the season, um, two behind Salah now and the golden boot race, and they get to run to the away fans and celebrate. And so uh, that's around, I believe that's the 60th minute. Let me check the timing on that. Is it 56, 60, something like that? Um, Yeah, so at that point, Chris, what are your thoughts? I mean, 30 minutes to go at Anfield, up a goal. Um, it's the 56th minute. I yeah, and 35. This, is, this is what I. It was Austin and I that were talking about it during the um, during that during the halftime. We were going back and forth, and I kept thinking, what we look like is what a lot of teams seem to do to us, where we allow smaller teams, quote unquote, to hang around in matches longer and longer and longer until an opportunity pops up, and then they take it against us, and they get something from that match. We did that to Liverpool. In, in my opinion, we hung around in a game. They couldn't put it away. They couldn't finish their opportunities. Eventually, we got an opening, and it was absolutely clinical. I will say that with Sessignon's touch, a lot of that is also down to a very, like, a perfectly weighted through ball pass from Kane. Because when he oh, brings yeah. that down with his first touch and brings that over to his left side and cuts across, the pass that he puts right in front of Sessignon is absolutely perfectly weighted. And that's what gives him that first touch and a chance to make what is also another perfect cross ball to uh, to Sun to put that ball away. Uh, so, and let's and let's and let's make sure we hit on the fact that that's exactly what Conte's system's meant to do, right? You yep. you you drag the opposition narrow, and you catch them in transition where the wing backs are just in acres of space, and then you trust the wing backs to make the right decision, well, and it worked, right? You see that. Klopp's plan was to just press us up, but also to kind of keep, um, oh, I always pronounce Kanante's name wrong, and Van Dyke back a little to just kind of hold off and, and watch for our counter. Um, and Liverpool at times just could not help themselves but get all the way forward and put far up so it was you see we're gonna take the jump and so far let's screw up again (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) well listeners i hope you understood that because nor austin austin nor myself understood the slow-mo and to the rapid speed coming from chris but i don't know uh, what's happening because you guys go out on me and like i apparently oh yeah Uh i think i'm still going (laughs) because when they do when they do commit that many bodies forward chris they get out of you have these brief moments where liverpool get out of shape they allow themselves to get out of shape because they they want to free flow so much and that's what happened is emerson caught the you know received the ball in a weird position and got it forward before Liverpool had a chance to 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 regain their shape. You know, that that's exactly how the how the how the break came. Yeah. There you um, go. If you missed what I said before, that's what I said. Uh, <laughs> I got so you my, my question, Chris, before all this was uh fifty six <laughs> minutes, we score a goal, we have thirty four plus stoppage time. What are your thoughts here? Um what worried? I mean, obviously I think we're all just awaiting the inevitable Liverpool goal, but we've, we've defended so well. And even with the, the goal that comes in the 74th minute, we defended incredibly well this, this entire game. I, I mean, I think we had 11 or 12 block shots from our defenders, something insane like that. So uh, were, you, were you expecting an equalizer or were you still hopeful based on how we had defended for the first 56 minutes that we could hold on to that lead? The way we defended, I was hopeful that we'd hold it out. 
And for a while, it looked like we had. And honestly, I think we did, with the exception of the deflection. They got a lucky deflection that broke our defense. Other than that, I think our defense played a perfect game. Other I didn't than hear that, it was going to be a, a set piece, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. If anything, corners, I was yeah. worried we'd, we'd give up a set well, piece. Van Dyke so freaking good. Yeah, I was I was concerned about set pieces. Honestly, let's talk about um, let's you know they, they do equalize. It's a deflection off Benton Court. It's no one's fault. It happens, especially when you allow them to take shots inside the box. It's just a risk you take. But I don't blame the defense at all. I don't blame the way Conte set up the team. He set the team up perfectly. There's nothing you can do. Um, Ironically, right? It's one of those where Benton Court gets like half a half an inch more of a boot on it. It doesn't even get past him. And if he whiffs it and doesn't get anything on it, it probably is saved. Like yeah. the deflection is the only reason it had a chance of going in, right? Yeah. No, I, I agree. I think that uh, it's just completely unlucky. And but I, I would like to take the next uh, couple minutes to talk about this, the squad performance and the individual performance here. Um, we talked about the defensive effort that that pretty much every single player put in uh, for 90 plus minutes. Um, <laughs> and I would, I, I'm going to go on a limb here and say that you know our whole defense played well. Um, the worst of the five, in my opinion, was probably Romero. Not that he was bad, but I think that he was kind of wasteful a little bit. In he was shaky early. He was shaky early. And that's just more of a <laughs> yeah. testament to how well the other four. I mean, Ben Davies. I mean, that's that, that block on Sala in like the 70-something minute where I don't even know where he came from. Uh, Emerson got to play an actual right back role with minimum expectations to push up. I thought, like you said, Sessignon earlier had, uh, you know, had Salah in his pocket other than that yellow card. Um, but that was a smart foul. He had to take, he had to take mm-hmm. that. And I can't even think, I don't even think Dyer put a foot wrong. Well, uh, Romero, after we scored, Romero really stepped up. Oh, and you sure. saw another level. And that, that diving header, yeah. uh, you know, Alexander Arnold's ball, you know, kind of reverse ball into the box. And Romero from out of nowhere just flies like eight feet forward. And heads that like 60 yards out of the box or whatever it was. I mean, that's – I think the even commentator said – I forget if it was the color commentator or the player of the game, It's like you have to love uh, defending to head a ball like that. Like you have to love defending to go after a ball like that. And you're right. I mean, our whole defense played as well as they possibly could have. I think the only thing I hated was when Winks came on and absolutely did nothing to mark anybody for the last 10 minutes or whatever. But – yeah, uh, and I think when he brought Winks on, he was just kind of switching to three midfielders. Um, but anyways, I, I don't want to talk too much about Winks or you know, Stevie. <laughs> Nor Stevie, ever. Stevie, Stevie B had a chance, uh, kind of a breakaway chance right when he got on. But even then, um, I think the last thing we need to talk about, there's two things I want to talk about. Um, <clears throat> I thought that uh, Fabinho was lucky not to get sent off. I thought that he should have mm-hmm. had a yellow card in the first half. And I thought there's a good chance that that, that foul on Son in the second half was a red well, card. If you watch it, came from behind when Kane yeah. is turning on a break, slid tackle him from behind, got nothing of the ball, and scissored his ankle. That is a textbook yellow card. It, 99 yeah. times out of 100. And then he smacks Son in the face, which I've seen red cards given for less. Yeah. And you know, it's just one of these things where I think referees give so much deferential treatment preferential treatment to the big teams and their defensive destroyers, right? We saw Fernandinho got away with this for years, and he's passed that torch to Rodrigo at Manchester City. And Manchester City are the kings at 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 uh, at um, what are they? What 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 do idiots like to call them? They're, they're really cynical fouls, but they like to call them like you know clever fouls or whatever. Oh, whatever it's what it's what Juventus said that they. Uh, I remember when he lost to Juventus, they were like, what was that word that they used? I know we're talking about that, yeah. Yeah, and then, you know, uh, Casemiro does this for Real Madrid better than almost anybody in the world, right? Like, Casemiro probably could get sent off in every match he plays, but somehow he escapes most matches without even a yellow. And it seems like most of these teams have a player like that that just aren't afraid to run that risk. And Romero's kind of that guy for us as far as a defender goes, but we don't have that midfielder. And, yeah, Fabinho should have absolutely been sent off. I mean, that, that foul on Sun was like in the 80th minute or something like that. But yeah, he could have only been sent off before that, even. I mean, he committed at least four or five yellow card offenses. And that slide tackle from behind on Kane is a – that's what people aren't talking about. Slid from behind, got his ankle, that's a potential leg breaker, and people act like that there's nothing wrong with it, you know? 
Yeah, it's it's. I think more. I mean, that that second foul could have been a red card, but it's more like you can't get him, let him get away with so many fouls. I think he had four fouls in the first half. That yeah, two and all of them were tactical, tactical yeah. fouls. So tactical. it's accumulation of fouls. So you know, okay, great. If the the sliding tackle on Kane that should have been yellow is not a yellow, then he gets a foul for he gets a yellow for four fouls and a half. I mean, that's <laughs> there, there's there's just there's some simple principles to like refereeing and like officiating officiating that doesn't happen to the bigger clubs, and it probably we get away with it too when we play smaller clubs. I'm not saying that it, sometimes. Sometimes. And so it, it's it's more of the problem of inconsistencies. But, yeah, Fabinho's lucky not to get sent off there. Uh, and then we got to talk about the last chance that we had. Chris, I'm going to send this one over to you. Uh, Emerson actually hits a pretty decent ball in the box um, to uh, cross in the box to Hoiberg. And, uh, man, just not the guy you wanted to fall to. Uh, <laughs> on the he had two options, and he is, is that classic, he, you know. He chose just completely the wrong one. Um First off, I do think that um, over the past couple of weeks, maybe since Emerson kind of lost his starting spot to Darty when Darty went on his his good run, um, that perhaps they spent some time working with Emerson on crossing. Because in the performances that he's had since then, there have been some pretty good crosses put in. Not great. It's gone from abysmal to average, so I'll give him that. He's gone from terrible to meh. (laughs) Um, that's best you can put it, but that cross was actually one. And and most of his crossing in this game was much improved. That one was one where he actually landed it right where it needed to be. And of course the person on the other end is Hoybier, who, like you said, that's not who you want that ball to fall to in the box. Um, you pray that Kane or even son, who's not great with his head or I'll take Ben, I'll take anybody, but Hoybier was the wrong one. And he, <laughs> you gotta just put that on target, right? Like, like he's trying to nod it back across goal, but there's not enough pace on the ball. You gotta just nod it at the goal and hope nod it goes that at in, the goal. Right? Make the keeper make a save. Force him to make a save. At bet at, at that range, you you're as a keeper, if you don't save it, you pray that you're able to put that out of bounds or put that out of play, or at least just put it out of the path of someone coming in. But I mean, if he can just put that on target, there's a good chance the keeper doesn't save it and just has to knock it down. And then you can put it away in the scramble. And he try. I, I want to say he just tries to be a little too cheeky with it and a little too cute and nod it back because he sees the car. He sees Allison coming that direction. And it just it doesn't work. It's well, just, I wonder if he I wonder if, it. you know, we're all assuming he's trying to nod that to Kane. But I wonder if, because Colin, do they they teach you right that the best thing you can do is to not a back where it comes from, right? Run it back across goal, right? Yeah. So I wonder if he actually was trying to score, and you just miss hit the header so bad it looked like a pass. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I'd have to go back and watch it again, but I don't want to. I don't want to do that. So. No. Uh, I mean, that's one of those moments where it's like, yeah. Oh my, like. Uh, we're you, so good. That, that would have been us stealing stealing the win in the last minute against City and Liverpool in almost the same fashion. Yeah, and to be honest, I don't think we with you know the ex. I, I get if you want to look at stats. Okay, let's look at stats. Twenty one shots to eight, um, three shots on target for both of us. Um, sixty five to thirty five percent possession. But the XG was one to one. XG though. was pretty much even. All right, so. Yeah. Don't be fooled by the amount of shots they were taking. I mean, yeah, I get you have to shoot to score, but their shots were uh, a lot of bad shots and a lot of bad shots. And so uh, a lot of good takeaways. And and I, you know, I'm going to go on a limb here and say I was the only confident person in getting anything from this game in this podcast. Uh, And I still think that point is going to be very vital in the run in, which leaves us. Uh, unless you guys have anything else to say about this Liverpool game, other than uh, Jurgen Klopp is probably the biggest crybaby in the Premier League. He's a great Oh, my manager. gosh. And I love Conte throwing the shade back at him. Like, you shouldn't talk about your opponents. You should probably focus on yourself. Yeah. I mean, don't be wrong. He is a – sorry, Chris. We'll, we'll catch you up in a second. Uh, <laughs> he is a great manager, but a, an ultimate crybaby whenever he loses or he doesn't – He's a play. horrible loser. He's really bad at it. And – he, uh, he compared us to Atletico Madrid. You're like, oh, you mean the team that, like, the only team that's won a league title besides Barcelona and Real Madrid in the past decade or whatever? 
the team that's made it to Champions League finals. Like, okay, thanks for the nice compliment, I guess. Yeah, like, which is probably why he left Dortmund, because they started to lose. I just don't think he's a good loser. Like, when Liverpool starts to lose, I, I don't see it. Ha- and it's going to happen, because there's going to be a turnover. Unless they can replace It's going to happen as soon as Salah isn't yeah. playing for them anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're going to have to replace a lot of goals in Salah and Mane, um, you know, in the next two to three years. And so, uh, but anyways, that's just my my final take is that Jurgen Klopp's a crybaby. Um, and yeah, a great point. Like I said, I think it's going to be very important for this top four run-in, which is why we are all three here today. It's because we have a North London Derby preview <laughs> happening uh, this evening. We are about um, 24, yeah, about 30, 40 hours away from the from kickoff. Um, wait, is that right? 39, 39 hours away from kickoff. Uh, and Austin, let's just start here. Is this the biggest North London Derby that you've, uh, witnessed as a Tottenham fan? Yes. Yep. Chris, you're older. Chris, you're older, uh, and and a little bit more tenure, although you have all of your hair and no gray. Uh, is this, uh, the biggest North London Derby you've, uh, been a part of as a fan watching? First off, I do have some gray. So I just want to throw that out there. Um, but your your camera's not high resolution enough for us to see it. So okay, well we'll leave that then. I'll just I'll, I'll take the compliment. Don't, don't just trust me. I'm fine with that. Um, the biggest one I've probably because of the stakes. I've seen and I've seen us play them in cup semifinals. I've seen us play them for other seasons where top four was on the line. This is one where. A win or a loss here just completely changes the trajectory for both teams. Um, Arsenal come into this. If if we're able to wait, beat them, and I honestly will get to it, but I think we will, um, it will dent their confidence going into these final two games. So, yeah, this is – this is if it's not the biggest, it's in the top three. I mean, even, even, the, even the British – Punditry are saying they can't remember a, a North London derby that was as big as this. There's too much at stake here um, yeah. for both clubs. Yeah. I mean, the closest had to have been that that what that League Cup semifinal in 08 that we that we destroyed them like five one or whatever. Uh, but that was before that was a couple of years before I started watching. So, so uh, with that being said, um, yeah, because that's Chris, where they went a landslide of five. Yeah, Chris, who is the pressure on? Who's who has more pressure in this game Thursday, Tottenham or Arsenal? Honestly, I think they do because of the point. Uh, no, I, honestly, I I honestly think if because if they lose this, they will the pressure will fall to them. They will have to go into those last two games and they will have to perform because the moment they slip up and it, it just has to be one little slip. It can it can be a draw somewhere that costs them. So I think a lot of pressure will fall to them. For us, I mean, uh, if we lose, we're back in the, we're in the same spot we're in now. We're still in fifth. So and, if and, they lose, it is completely it's it's climbing back all the way to fourth, only to see yourselves fall back behind your your biggest rivals. So I think there's a lot of pressure on on Arsenal to come out and and do something in this game. Um, I like the atmosphere that we're building up as far as the players seem to be getting themselves G'd up for this more than I've seen some of our players get G'd up for a North London Derby. So that's always nice to see. Yeah. Do you feel like this is um, Austin? uh, You're shaking your head. I'll just go ahead and just push this question right over to you. Uh, Who's the pressure on uh, who has more pressure uh, on Thursday at 145 Tottenham Hotspur City? It's, I mean, Arsenal do have pressure on them, but I mean, come on, guys. It, it's the most, the pressure's on us because if we don't win, top four's gone. A draw is not good enough, right? We're four points down during the last two games. It, it will take a miracle for us to to get fourth. I mean, it's win or nothing. It's basically win or go home for us. All three results still put Arsenal in the driver's seat in the last two games, and they know that. So they can go in and, and treat it as a free hit. And, and if I were Arteta, that's what I'd be gearing them up to. Is be like, guys, listen, go in here. Any point we get, any point we get gives us top four. We might as well go out, play all out. Like, there's nothing to lose here. It, even if we lose, we can save top four. For us, 
anything short of a win and where and we can kiss Champions League goodbye. So, I mean, this is probably the most pressure this content. This is the most pressure this contest Spurs have had on them. And it's the most pressure this team has had on them in a league game in a while. I mean, maybe project restart when we lost, it was at Brighton that game we lost where, uh, or we drew where Lucas had that BS handball called against them. And we should have gone up two nil and we ended up drawing one, one. It was, I think it was Brighton. I can't remember. Um, but I mean, as far as playing a really solid team late in the season, this is the biggest pressure a lot of these players have had on them. I mean, since since the Battle of the Bridge. And how many of our current squad were at, in that game? You have Hugo, Dyer, Sun, and Kane. I think that's it. So, I mean, this the pressure is on us. Now, luckily, we have a lot of veterans in the squad. And I don't think that means we won't handle it, but the, the, press, the more pressure has got to be on us. I think... I would agree with you, but I think it's different because it's us. If it were anybody else in this position that they were in this position for vying for fourth with that wasn't Tottenham Hotspur, I think I would agree with you. But I think it's because it's us and a loss here. Also, uh, other things come into play. And I think that's why I look at it so differently. Oh, I it's hope you're right. I hope Arsenal still have a small club mentality that they are focused more on us losing than them winning. I don't because think that's that's the absolute his history can't. I don't think he can walk in there and say, "Do yeah, just play whatever happens here, guys." No, he's gonna go out and say, "This is Tottenham Hotspur. I've been in, at Arsenal Football Club since 2000. We always beat them. We will always beat them, and we need to go out with fire in our bellies." And but that's not really pressure, though, right? Because the players will know. I mean, that that's what's tough for me. The players know where the points lie at the moment, right? And the, Tottenham the, know. The players also Spurs know that if we don't win. We're out of Champions League. You know, the last two games become superfluous because we're not going to lose. Fans aren't going to aren't going to be happy. All right, all right, all right, all right. This is this is this is an entry level question, boys. We're already hot and heavy uh, on the first question I asked. Uh, But this is a civil discussion. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, Clearly, we have. You answer the question, Colin. What do you think? Yes, indeed. You're the tiebreaker. More more pressure is definitely on Arsenal. Uh, but I, I have been in the stance for, you know, ever since we we slipped behind and saying, listen, all we got to do is stay within touching distance. Those last two games, Arsenal will drop points if we are a point, which is why I think that point, and this is what I had been saying. I think you also agreed with me today, Austin, but that point against An- and Liverpool at Anfield was huge because it allows us to even draw a game if they lose and, and we're even on goal differential. Well, so what I said to you was because Arsenal play – Newcastle, Newcastle on Monday, it allows us to have the opportunity to go ahead of them, or and they have to or, sleep on that before or, they go play Newcastle yeah, away. It also, but that point at Anfield gives us the opportunity to even if we tie at Burn, tie Burnley, which hopefully we don't, right? We want to win every game. If we draw Burnley, uh, and we we beat Arsenal, draw Burnley, we're even on points. That's still pressure that they have to go get a draw. They lose at Newcastle. Then we're even too. That point at Anfield is huge. Could be huge. It's not huge because nothing's permanent or determined yet. But uh, I think the pressure is on Arsenal. I think right now, as Tottenham, no one's ex- no one's giving you the the. No one's really believing in you. Thinking and everyone's thinking that Arsenal's got it locked up. I think Arteta has one of two ways to approach this game, and I would love to get your guys' take on this. But I think he can either set up shop, uh, play for the draw, or he can go at us. Um, Chris, what do you think? How is uh, unless you're frozen? You there? Yeah. Uh, how do you feel like Arteta is going to set up for this game? Go for the win, or we're freezing, Austin. Go for the win. Go for the draw. Well, so if he was from the Mourinho school, he would be going for the don't lose. You're playing a big team away, just don't lose. But he comes from the Pep, the Pep Guardiola school of management, and he's going to go in and try to. Uh, I think he's going to come in and try to control the game and want to win it. Which I think is the wrong approach. Honestly, in this in this situation, I think the approach is make us earn everything, and a point gets you Champions League. That's that's the situation they're in, and that's the proper way to manage this game, I think. But to go at it and and try to take the game from us and 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 win it plays into our hands, right? Because it's going to make them more open. Um, they should try to choke the midfield, and then and press the midfield and make it difficult for us to get the ball forward. That's what's going to bring them success. But I almost think the naivete of Arteta of 
wanting to go and win away at, at Spurs and, and put the nail in the coffin is what will play against them. Chris, what do you think? Same thing. You think he's going to go for the win or go for the draw here? That's what I was going to say. And that's where I think a lot of the pressure comes from as well. Because I think he's going to go into this game as Arteta, the Arsenal legend, wanting to put the nail in the coffin and win it. And that can bite him in the ass. So uh, I, I, I honestly think he's going to come out with the wrong game plan. And that's uh, that's another reason that I'm I'm really I'm really thinking that if if our defense can show up the way they did against Liverpool and do the same to Arsenal, then we'll win this match. I think if they can show up and defend, we'll win this match. Let Arsenal have the ball. Let them pull a Liverpool because they don't have near Liverpool's finishing ability. Um, if we can do that, we can win this match. I, I think it's completely winnable because I think they're absolutely going to come through with the wrong game plan and and outplay themselves. Um, yeah, I think that I think Arteta is smarter than that. I think he sets up for the draw here. He's going to get he's going to concede possession. Um, I mean, I could be wrong. Of course, I could be wrong. They but. never concede possession against us, though. That's the problem. I think what Chris is touching on is be, if this was Chelsea, right, in them, and they and they had the same exact thing, except they're going away to, to, away to Chelsea, and they're four points up, they set up for the draw. But because it's Spurs, I just I have this feeling, and Chris, I think you're right at this about this. Arsenal can't help themselves when it comes to us. Right. And you know, I think I don't know. I, I kind of I tend to agree with Chris on this. I, he shouldn't. He should set up. No, he absolutely but. shouldn't. He should sit back and play defensive and set up in the box. Put just press on the field. Find the ball. Just, and just force us to to play him. But he's not going to do that because it's Arsenal and it's Spurs, and they're going to come out. I mean, it's simple. He, yeah, even if he tries to set them up that way, the the players themselves are going to get caught up in it. So uh, there's. He has to try to make Emerson and Sessignon play out of their minds again like they did against Liverpool and ha- make em- Emerson and Sessignon beat them. That's what has brought other teams success against us. And I have a feeling he's not going to he's not going to have the the patience. And the players won't have the patience to to stick to that strategy, even if if that's what it's called for. If it were anybody else, if it were any other team. This were United or Chelsea, Chelsea or Chelsea. Yeah. Yeah, but so uh, against Spurs, they're going to get caught up and want to play. Yeah, this is the first game at the new Tottenham Hotspur Stadium with a, a, a full sold out stadium. Um, there is going to be uh, a lot of pressure on this Arsenal team with that alone. It sucks I think it's a I, midweek game. It sucks that it's a midweek game. I think that it's still going to be insane under the lights. Oh, it should be. Yeah. And people are going to show up. I have no doubt in that. And so I think that this is going to be a rock. People are going to be taking off work. Um, man, people will be falling over on the way in. Hey, it's a preview for one of these two teams. The Thursday nights, Thursday nights under the lights, right? Because one of these two teams will be playing lots of Thursday nights next season. Yeah. Uh, thanks, probably thanks, Austin. The guy who thinks it's going to be us that we're talking about it. I, I'm just saying, spitting facts. One of these two teams will finish fifth. <laughs> um, not going to argue with you there. I think that you're 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 probably right. <laughs> so United are, United are 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 stuck there. Yeah. Yes. So here is my question. Uh, Arteta is, you know, Arsenal are on a four-game win streak, right? They beat Chelsea away, Man United at home, West Ham away, and they just beat uh, Leeds at home. Um, and yeah, that's very impressive um, because. What it was three weeks ago we were talking about the collapse of Arsenal. They lost to Southampton. They lost three. They lost three games. They've lost three games in a row before that four game So uh, that is why I think that there's going to be another slip up in their in their story here, um, outside of our game. But with that being said, Arsenal have a pretty consistent lineup um, that they are fielding. Uh, Chris, who scares you from this Arsenal team? Ooh, uh, let me go back and look at. Let's see. What was their last match? Uh, Leeds? Yeah. Let's see who's in that Leeds lineup. Austin, um, you can go first since you're, uh, you're yeah, prepared. Yeah, you got to pull up. It's going to be it, there's, well, it's gonna be one of two players. Um, you know, I would ex- you would expect me to say Sokka, but I think we're actually going to be okay. Because Sokka usually plays down their right side, right? And tucks in. Yeah. And and I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with Davies and Emerson out there. Yeah. Um, 
or sorry, sorry, Emerson and Asadi uh, Davies and Session over there. I mean that yeah. that worries me a little bit. Um, I'm actually worried about Odegaard because if we are going to have trouble in this game, it's going to be in the midfield in the center of the pitch. And Odegaard has the quality to put in good balls from everywhere. I mean, he's, I hate to say this, but I can see him turning into their version of Erickson. Um, he's got so many similar qualities. Um, and I, I don't want that to happen. I don't want them to have a consistent playmaker over the next six, seven years, but that's the type of player he looks like to me. Like, like, like what Erickson did when he first came into Spurs and we struggle when it's not the dead center of the pitch, but it's kind of right and left channel that in between the center and the flanks, we struggle with balls coming in from those areas. And Odegaard is really good at putting in balls from those areas. Now they don't have a great striker to get on the end of them as far as headers go. Um, but those balls can cause chaos, and Odegaard is the player that kind of scares me. I mean, Martinelli and Keita, Saka, they've got a great young attacking front four. I mean, you, you have to – I hate Arsenal, but I can't – you know, I'm not going to lie. I mean, their front four is very young, very talented, but out of those four, um, Odegaard is the one that scares me. Then no one on their defense scares me. No one in their midfield really scares me. I mean, Partey on his day can be really good, but um, it's Odegaard for me. Uh, is Partey back? He's still out. For, he's out for the season, though. Is he? I thought they said that he was going to possibly come back. I haven't. I don't pay attention. He didn't enough. even make the bench against Leeds. So, so yeah, yeah, he's, he's probably he's not going to play, which is good for us. Um, Jaka doesn't scare me because Jaka is likely to get a red card as he is uh, it's scorer. A, so it's it's Jaka and El Nini are their uh, midfielders. They've been playing Jaka at left back every now and then, right? Or something. No, crazy? Tommy is playing left back now, and Cedric's playing um, right back. So they're playing Tommy Osu on the left? Yeah, he's been yeah. playing on the left. And Xhaka tends to drop back into their, like, to make almost a, mid, a back a back Yeah, five. so I reiterate, their midfield and defense do not scare me. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and their midfield and defense will be up for the taking when it comes to counterattacks. So, yeah, their front four of Odegaard, Saka, Martinelli, and Ketia. Honestly, I think the biggest... Uh, you know, the biggest improvement to this Arsenal team has when they subbed out Lacazette for Nketiah. Yeah. Uh, he yes. has brought in life into this front uh, this front four. He's willing to shoot. He presses better than Lacazette. Uh, and he's a young player that gets the fans excited and the players around him excited. People know what Lacazette's going to bring to you. Uh, I don't think that um, they hadn't. I don't think. I think maybe very few Arsenal fans believe that Nketiah was the answer. To a, for, for a striker perspective, and it turns out they might have found their young striker, and they don't have to go spend you know sixty. What happened to name? Didn't they spend like fifty million on some other winger a few seasons uh, ago? Pepe. Pepe. Yeah, what and happened to Pepe? He's on the bench. He's, he's on the bench. On the bench. <laughs> so they replaced Pepe with Enketia and Martinelli, who no one expected to be, because Martinelli's a young young player from is he their academy or no? Uh, I don't know if it's academy, but he's a young guy. Like he's um, he's, like he's only twenty. 20. Yeah. I remember when they bought Pepe and Arsenal fans that I knew, one specific was just over the moon. Uh, you, probably, you probably know who I'm talking about, Colin. Good or Pat? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think that, um, you know, Pepe is is good, but... So is Nketiah um, your answer, Colin? My answer is Nketiah, yeah. I think that he's yes. the one. Um, I was going to agree with you. It's either going to be Saka or Odegaard. Um, I absolutely, I, I love Odegaard as a player before he went to Arsenal. And I was just sad to see him go there of yeah. all teams. Cause then I absolutely had to hate him. But when he was a young player who was just coming through Real Madrid, I remember just thinking that guy's going to be awesome. I would love him. Like that's yeah. the Eric's region. Give us him. <laughs> He's a great young player that I would love to see come to Spurs. And I just when he started going to Arsenal, I was like, that's oh, that sucks because I, I really don't want to hate him. But now I have to. But yeah, it's Odegaard for me. Um, and a big reason for that is also because uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe Odegaard takes all of their set pieces mm-hmm. and yep. set pieces for me are always a fear. Um just our, our back line held up well last time, though uh, you could argue that Van Dyke might have should have had a goal. Um, yeah, so that that's always going to scare me. I don't think they have anybody like uh, like Austin said. I don't think Arsenal really have anybody to get on the end of their set pieces the way Liverpool do. That's 
goes without saying. But at the same time, he's still a great player to do that. And I mean, we've seen teams with less in their pocket, like Southampton, get away with set piece goals against us. So Odegaard for me is is yeah. my is my biggest fear. And, and there is, is a good Danish, or is he Norwegian? Do you know? Uh, I was just looking, not I was sure. looking up Gabriel Martinelli stuff here a second ago just I, I, to see I, who he is. I would like to, I would say there is a, there is a chance that Martinelli comes out and um Smith, Rowe? Smith, Smith Rowe comes in. He's um, Norwegian. Norwegian, that's right. But yeah, I think uh, honestly now the more I think about it, I think Romero and Dyer are gonna have Enkentia locked up. So I do think that it's gonna be more dangerous, uh, probably Odegaard if he has time on the ball. It's gonna be really important that a Hoyberg and Bentecor um, really, well, and, and having Emerson in a game like this actually actually helps because having his size and defensive ability will help mitigate some of their some of their winger play. Because yeah. last time we played Arsenal was at four three three, right? With didn't we didn't you didn't you put that didn't we send we that in the chat? Playing Nuno's four three three. Yeah. With yeah, that was the four three three. Nuno midfield three. So no defense. Yes. The no defense midfield three. Yeah, because yeah. the back line was on their own, and when they got run through, they got run through. So <laughs> good luck, boys. And no, no, Sanchez and Dyer. Romero was out for that game, right? Yeah, Romero wasn't around. It was Sanchez and Dyer, and that was a game where Sanchez was right back. And now imagine if we were playing this match when we originally should have played it, and it should have been played if Arsenal didn't run away from it and 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 use loopholes in the rules to basically bitch out of a game. Imagine if we had played this game all the way back in January when they had like 11 players because they don't know how to manage a team. But, you know, let's not let's nobody talk about that fact that it's a it's a travesty that we've had to wait four months for this game. No, 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 no. We don't talk about that. You know, we talked about it then. We said when that happened, when that postponement came through, we were like, watch, they're going to reap where they're going to reschedule this game for a time when it completely disadvantages Spurs. And Arsenal is kind of in the advantage. They're going to be on a win streak. They're going to have healthy players at that point. They're going to have situated their squad. We are then going to carry some injuries into the match. And that's where we are now. No Regulon, no Doherty, and no Skip. And, you know, but whatever. We should postpone it again. Postpone it again. That's more sweet when we beat them 3-1. It's a COVID issue. It's a COVID issue. Um, so... Man, biggest game of the season. Um, well, let's do predictions here, and then after our predictions, we're going to uh, really run through, um, at, based on our predictions, what we think, uh, what we think the top four holds for us, if it's possible or not. So, Chris, uh, you are the wise man of the podcast. Uh, what is your prediction here Thursday night? Are, first off, are you watching it live? Second off, what's your prediction? Uh oh, Chris is frozen. All right, Austin. I'm first. absolutely watching it. I'm still there considering it on Thursday. Not ca- no. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, how much of that did you guys catch? Nothing, nothing. Go ahead. Okay. Now can you hear me? Okay, cool. Um, I'm g- I, I will be watching it. I'm taking a three to one. Spurs. You copied me. Lies. Well, he didn't know that, so you can I say. Have, I didn't say three one. I snuck it in there when we when I said it would be even sweeter when we went three one. But I guess I snuck it in too nicely. You guys didn't hear me. Probably. You okay. can rewind the tape. Going three one now, yeah, and I will be watching it most definitely. Awesome. I'm gonna start work a little bit early on Thursday and sign off a little bit early on Thursday. Uh, <laughs> it starts at two forty five my time, so makes it a little bit easier. Um, Hopefully no one tries to schedule like a four o'clock meeting because I will be, as they say, triple O at that time. Um, yeah, I'll be watching. And I, and I think the, here's the reason why I call three one. Uh, even though the vast majority of North London derbies in the past 10 years have been settled by one goal, they beat us three one in the reverse fixture. And this season so far, um, we have reversed the the scores of a lot of Nuno games, um, or at least a couple, at least Crystal Palace. I know we did. We lost three 0 and one three 0 So I am I'm hanging my hat on that kind of bit of superstition that we'll we'll win three one. They'll be the ones to score a garbage time goal. We'll be up three 0 They'll score a garbage time goal, and we'll win three one. And um, 
I would love to hear the stadium when that happens. I'm going to go um, 4 0. I knew you were going to be I had a feeling I was about to call that you were going to say 4 0. 4 0. Sonny with a hat trick? I think that Sun gets two and Kane gets two. Oh, and man. I think it's 3 0 at half. I think we run it back. That's like a tiebreaker if, if two people end up with the same number of goals in the Golden Boot. Uh, less PKs. I just made that up, but that's what it should be. It should be. It should be open play goals, right? Yeah. Uh, but I think, yeah, I think that is my 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 thought is that it's it's kind of awesome and you're in the same vein of you of saying, you know, it's going to be um, kind of similar to what happened to us at the Emirates. We're going to go off to a hot start, 2 or 3-0 at halftime, and then just wrap it up in the second half. Hit, hit them on a late counter to make it 4. Um, and then we'll be one point behind Arsenal. Uh, the really, the really, really tough thing we got to preview Burnley too. We don't have time to preview both uh, two podcasts this week. So Burnley on Sunday, 6 a.m. kickoff, noon, in, in uh, you know over there in the UK. Ugh. We don't perform well historically usually in these early kickoffs, and this, no. is, a, this is a quick turnaround. So uh, we'll be one point behind Arsenal, uh, playing before them against Burnley, who are fighting for their lives in the Premier League. This is a little bit of a different Burnley team uh, than what Sean Dyke had. It looks like they're playing a little bit more aggressive, not sitting. Just call him Sean Dyke. Sean Dyche. What's his name? <laughs> it's, it's Dyche. Okay, like, I'm not like, going to call that. <laughs> I like Dyche. Let's go let it slide. Um, so I would like careful, to. Careful, Colin. Careful, Colin. Oh, sorry, sorry. I would like to get your guys' <laughs> take on this uh, Burnley team. Uh, should we be worried if we win this game against Arsenal one point behind? Um, do you think we have what it takes to get all three points against Burnley? Uh, no, that's why I'm worried. <laughs> because it's not so much about Arsenal dropping points, but it's about us getting past Burnley. I have no, I have no worries about Norwich. Um, only way I worry about Norwich is if we've already been knocked out of top four and we show up with nothing to play for, and then a Newcastle from 2016-17 happens. Um, the, the I, I don't worry about Norwich. I worry about Burnley because it's an early kickoff. We're going to be coming off of a short week. Burnley have had a full week. Burnley are fighting for their lives. Um, you know it's it's you know it's at home, so that that's a positive. Um, so we don't have to travel, but oh man, I'm really worried about that game. I you know it'd be just like us to beat Arsenal four 0 and then have to squeak out like a one 0 win in the ninety. Third minute against Burnley. I was just about to say that. <laughs> yeah, uh, Chris, you worried about Burnley? Well, they already. Sorry, Chris, but they already did exactly what they have to do to beat us not too long ago, right? So they do have a game plan, and we're going to play the same exact way. They do. Um, I, I'm like anybody else. Anytime we have a 6 a.m. pick kickoff, I'm already worried about it, just because that we just, like you said, we have a terrible track record. Um, chances are the last time we played Burnley, we literally lined up the only way we know how, which is the exact same team we're going to throw out against them on, uh, on, was it Sunday morning? Um, only thing we can hope for, because if I remember both Sessegnon and Emerson had nightmarish games against Burnley, they had no idea. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. That match. Uh, so that is it. I already sneaked, like screw up. Uh oh. <laughs> All right, you're good now. Go ahead. There we go. I muted myself so that it would stop if any extra noise coming through. So I don't know. Um, but yeah, we played the same lineup last time. Sessignon and Emerson didn't show up. God willing, they show up this time. It would be like Austin said. It would be so awful. To win at uh, to beat Arsenal, give ourselves hope, and then lose one nil to Burnley on Sunday morning. That would just that I'd I'd be done at that point. I think I'd just throw up in my hands. I, I don't know. Colin, do you do you think that let, let's assume because we all know if we don't beat Arsenal, top four is gone. So let's assume we beat Arsenal. Is the are the week are the are the weekend fixtures? Is that where top four is going to be decided? But including uh, Newcastle? Yeah. 
Is it that is it that round of fixtures, or do you that, think it actually goes down to final match day where we might still be behind and Arsenal might drop points there? Because my my personal what my belief is Newcastle's their last chance to drop points outside of us. I think that that's the best chance. I yeah. still I still think that if if that we're a point behind heading into uh, the match against. Um, you know, Everton for them that they'll that's still an immense amount of pressure that they'll be feeling um, because they are playing uh, with the fear of anything but a win could, will knock them out. We're playing Norwich and Newcastle have found a little bit of form, so I think that it would be um, naive to think that you know Newcastle or uh, or Everton are are free win uh, if that makes sense. But uh, I do love that if we beat Burnley. If we're able to beat Arsenal and we beat Burnley, um, they uh, they'll have to sit on on it for 27 hours, knowing that they have to get a win. Yeah, but I, yeah, I think we. I, I, do, I do think Burnley, hotel room I, in Newcastle. I do think Burnley will be tough. Uh, I do think it's oh, possible. Yeah. I do think it's possible though, and so just hoping for uh, you know first one game at a time. This Arsenal fixture is the first one we have to worry about, <laughs> biggest fixture of the season. So we got to just be prepared. And I think that uh, Conte's going to have this team ready for it. I'm ready for it. You guys look ready for it. We've all predicted wins. Um, all two goal. Uh, One last question for you, Colin. Yeah. Percent likelihood that Sun ends up with the golden boot? Uh, 20%. Chris? Uh, yeah, about that. 20 to 30%. He's... He's got a lot of ground to cover in a very short amount of time against a very good goal scorer. So, yeah. I, I'm going to surprise you here. Out, I'm going to surprise you here. It's a coin flip, boys. It's a coin flip. Salah has not scored many goals since coming back from AFCON. He's only scored six. His XG's down. Sun's on a rip-roaring form. I don't think it's out of the question that Salah only scores like one goal in the in the run-in here. And uh, Sonny, Sonny could easily score, even if we don't finish top four. Sonny could easily score two, three, four goals in the last three games. Is, is there so. a better chance that we get top four or Sonny gets the golden boot? Ooh, that's a good Ooh. question. That's... <laughs> I actually think it's more likely Sonny gets the golden boot than we get top four. I think top four, Chris. Ooh, a top four is more likely for me. He's only two goals back, boys. I was I'm saying. Uh, I, I'm not saying it's not likely. I'm just saying it's less likely. Fair enough. Uh, Fair plus, enough. plus any penalties Salah's going to get. So yeah, uh, yeah. Live pool do like their penalties. So, but either, no matter what happens, I think you know if we talked about this um, beginning of the season that we would have this opportunity to to be in top four, uh, especially when Conte took over, we would take it and. You know, no matter what happens, I think Conte stays. Uh, that's what I want to end this question, this this podcast with is no matter what happens, fourth or fifth, or even third, Chelsea aren't free. Uh, does Conte stay um, the Tottenham manager in the off season? Uh, will he be the manager uh, the beginning of the season, Austin? I think so. I don't think he really cares about Europe. I think he eventually he has plenty of time. He's only 52, 53 years old. And he has plenty of time to worry about winning a European title. I think his thing is he wants to win a title at a club that isn't, you know, a Chelsea or Juventus, like he did at like he did at Inter. And I, I honestly think this this could be super rose colored glasses. I honestly think he's been searching for a club to stay at for a long time. You know, only thing left left Chelsea is because the Chelsea board completely like, you know, got pissed the second he wasn't going to win the league again. You know, he left Inter because Inter went into financial turmoil and couldn't afford him anymore, uh, which is crazy because, you know, Inter is in first place in Serie A right now, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Yeah, which is, is crazy to me. Uh, what's going on in that league? I, I honestly think Conte has been searching for a place to be at for a little bit, and there's a chance that could be with us. I don't know. Um but I think as long as he thinks that he's going to get the players he needs to get and not being in Champions League prevents that, uh, he'll stay. I don't think it's about being in Champions League as much as unless Champions League is the only is the extra chip in our favor to get players to come here. 
because they're going to be going after veterans that are in a win-now mentality, not these young up-and-comers, and those guys might want Champions League football, right? So I don't know I don't know if the Champions League is necessary for Conte. I think it's more of, does Conte believe we're going to still go after the players that he needs if we don't have Champions League? But um, I think he stays. I think he realizes he has Son and Kane, um, which how often do you get two world-class strikers in their, in their prime peak in their prime at the same time. Right. I mean, so yeah, Chris stay or go. Uh, he's going to stay. I, yeah. and I'm, I, I'm a little more hopeful. I, I, I don't think it depends on champions league at all. Like, I don't think he's looking at it with, with any notion. I think he wants it because it'll make it things slightly easier, but I think his staying really depends on the conversations he's having with the club as regards to targets and who he wants and whether or not he's going to be backed. Um, now, I think if uh, if we get three weeks into the transfer window and we're seeing the normal Tottenham Hotspur transfer window where we're waiting, like we've got targets, but we're not really making any solid moves, things like that, where it's dragging out and he's not seeing the players come that he wants or the targets that he's like, that's when I'm going to start to get worried. But I think it's all really depending on whether the club is going to back him with, with funds and players. It's not well, around Champions League at all. There's one piece of news that dropped today that was not directly Spurs related, but is very indirectly Spurs related. The, the announcement that Holland is going to Man City is huge for us because to me, that's the only club that could have taken uh, Kane away from us. He, I don't think Kane is dumb enough to go to Manchester United, which is the literal definition of a shit show right now. Um, and go to play for not. Ten Hag, who is going to want young players, right? I I think literally we are in a situation where the Holland announcement basically makes it a, to me, 90% pot, uh, reality that Kane will never play for another Premier League side. And... Um, that's huge, right? Because that gives Conte the, the idea of, oh, I can play him the next three years around having Son and Kane here because Son already signed a long-term deal. Yeah, and I, I 100% agree with you guys. I think that um, we're going to get backed. I think we're going to get backed massively um, in the summer. And I think that we are honestly in for a major surprise. I think that it's going to be, um, you know, I think we're going to spend – I think it's going to be a lot of ins and a lot of outs. So Conte's here. Six outs, something like five outs, six ins, something like that. Yeah, something crazy. Yeah, and those six, be... ins, those six ins are going to be players on the first team. I mean, you see what our bench looks like. It's not good uh, on these games. We need some depth. Even with we have Skip coming back and Regulon coming back, and he, let's say Tanganga comes back and, and fights for a spot, we're going to need these players. So, uh, guys, appreciate your time tonight. Uh, look forward to uh, sweating our balls off on Thursday as we uh Austin, why is your mouth open? When I said balls. Because I just checked the score of the Mavericks <laughs> game. What happened in the second half? Yeah, uh, it has not been pretty. Um anyways, this is not a Mavericks <laughs> podcast. We'll we'll discuss it off there. Uh it's been great. Let's get these three points uh and let's head into Burnley uh well, let's head into the Burnley fixture. Uh one point behind Arsenal. Keep the pressure on. It's what we do best. All right guys. We'll see you uh next time. Come on you Spurs. Come on you Come on, Spurs. You Spurs.